Welcome to the final well. What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Wellpreneur podcast of 2016, can you believe it? We're here with episode 139. What an epic few years this has been. Almost three years it's going to be in January. That's just totally amazing to me. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break over the holidays, and hopefully you'll have a time to take a break and really relax and enjoy time with friends and family or catching up, however you're going to mark the end of this year. I've got some travel planned over the next few weeks, and I'd love to share that with you. I'm going to keep it a bit of a mystery where I'm going, but you can follow me on Instagram at Wellprinter to kind of come along on my trip with me. It's going to be pretty exciting. This week is our last interview of the year. I'm speaking with multiple entrepreneur and mama Dee Chung. Dee is somebody that I met here in Hong Kong, and she's such a fabulous example of a Wellprinter. She runs a stand-up paddleboard yoga company as well as a flotation center, and I'm excited to bring Dee here on the podcast so that you can hear how it works for another wellpreneur that has so much going on in her life, is multi-passionate, is running a couple of businesses, and has a family, and just how she keeps it all balanced, if we can even say that, right? Balance is kind of an ever-changing thing, but that's what I'm exploring today with Dee in this interview. So now let's go over and listen to this thoughtful conversation with Dee Chung about being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and mama. Hi Dee, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi Amanda, thanks for having me. So we met through a mutual friend at a TEDx conference here in Hong Kong just a couple of weeks ago. My listeners, I was going on and on about how excited I was about TEDx, so they all know that I went. And I met you, and you are like such an amazing wellpreneur. I was super excited to have you on the show. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was actually really great to be at that TED, and I, I wish I could have stayed for the second half, but the first half definitely left me inspired. <laughs> so it was so inspiring, really thought provoking, really long day. Oh my gosh, that's like a lot of information to take in. But anyway, so let's just start off. If you could just kind of give us a rundown of what you do now and then how you got there. Okay, yeah. what do I do now? I'm a little bit of a serial entrepreneur, although I'd like to think that there is the same thread going through all of my projects and they are all around around wellness. So I'm a yoga teacher. I work with mummies and babies all the way up to adults. That led me to setting up SUP Yoga Hong Kong. So we teach stand-up paddleboard yoga out in the open seas and about to launch, um, or we did launch at the end of this year or end of this season, um, Boga Fit fit mats so we can have inflatable workout mats uh, in pools around Hong Kong. So you don't have to come out into the sea. If you're scared of open water, we can do it at a pool. And I also set up Float on Hong Kong last year, which was the first float therapy center to open in Hong Kong. 
So I'm really dying to try stand-up paddleboard yoga, actually. So I need to come out and do that because that sounds amazing. But you're originally from Canada, right? Yes. So did you, I mean, you didn't do stand-up paddleboard yoga there, I guess. Um, (laughs) How did you get into The the very first time I did stand-up paddleboard yoga was in Vancouver. So I'm actually Mm -hmm. born and raised in Toronto. And I was in Vancouver while I was working for Lululemon in Hong Kong. (laughs) And I was in Vancouver for a conference and we went out as a team to this area called Deep Cove for some stand-up paddleboard yoga. And I just fell in love with it. I had so much fun. And when I came back and I finished up with Lululemon, I was like, how do we do sub yoga in Hong Kong? There's got to be a way or somebody's got to be doing it. And I didn't see anybody doing it. So I approached a friend who I love dearly and work really well together with. Her name's Nadine. And we just tested it out. We thought, hey, it's such a fun thing to do. You don't need to go you know, on a retreat somewhere really, really far to go and retreat out of the city. And that this, you know, we've got water and greenery right in our own backyard. And so we, we set up one date just to trial it out and to see if Hong Kong was ready for it. And sure enough, like we just had this long wait list for our first month of classes. And so we knew we were onto something. And this was almost five years ago. And we have since, we've actually just run our first yoga, SUP yoga teacher training in Hong Kong this year. So we have 10 fully certified SUP yoga teachers coming to a water near you. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Was that the first business you started? I guess you started teaching yoga, then you started SUP yoga? Yeah, that's right. I'm much like a lot of people who um, start off as a yoga teacher. I was just teaching friends. I was teaching out of my little apartment in Hong Kong. I was so lucky to have space for it. And yeah, I just started from there and then it grew and grew. How was that for you? Thinking of starting your business for the first time, was that, were you scared about it? Was it okay? Because you were doing it with a friend? Like, what was that experience like? Oh, well, SUP Yoga was always and is first and foremost a passion project for both of us. One of our best practices was if it's not fun, we're not doing it. (laughs) And yeah, it was scary. It was exciting. I was kind of just starting out with my career, if you want to call it that, just teaching full time and not working at another company or having any other kind of income and really relying on teaching. And SUP Yoga was a really awesome way to generate some income while having a really great time and meeting really awesome people in the city. And how did you find those first clients that filled all your classes for the first month? I think we just kind of reached out to our friends and people that were already our students and invited them to come along for the first classes. And really, our first one was made up of friends that we knew and students that were already practicing with us. That's really cool because I think sometimes we really overcomplicate things, like think we have to have this whole marketing plan or like, how am I going to find people? Or like, it doesn't count if it's your friends that are coming to buy stuff from you. But actually, like if you're excited about something and you just share it with the people that are around you, of course, they're going to be your first customers. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about keeping it simple, letting it be organic. Never in a million years would we imagine that we'd be running a teacher training this year or at all and certifying more teachers and bringing on fit mats as part of SUP Yoga Hong Kong. Yeah, I think also we, we, we were lucky in that we had other sources of income because when we started out, really the only way to, the only time we'd run classes would be on the weekends and when we were available to teach the classes. 
And then during the week, if we had inquiries for private groups, then we would just toss back and forward to each other. So maybe she would take one the one week and I would take another the other week. And that way we could accommodate um, people that were coming to us for private groups. So what happened then? Tell me about how you got around to starting Float On. When did that happen? Well, in 2014, we kept hearing about it. Actually, we'd heard about it prior to, but we were really hearing about it a lot in 2014. And Kieran and I had just come back from traveling South America for four months and just thinking about what we could do in the city as a business that would help people. Like really, we want to help people and that's our mission. And floating kept coming up. So we were trying to figure out if there was somewhere to float in Hong Kong and we didn't find anywhere. So we said, okay, where's the next closest city that we could float at? And I was actually doing a training in Sydney. So I floated first out in Bondi and Kieran had gone to Bangkok and Singapore to float. And so we made connections there. Yeah. So that was kind of when we first looked at it and then we thought, wow, we're really onto something here. And is it possible? Is it something that we could do in Hong Kong? And is Hong Kong ready for it? You know, and that's kind of how it happens. It's pretty awesome, actually. So for anybody that doesn't, well, I think you might have mentioned, but for anybody that doesn't know, it's like a sensory deprivation tank, right? And you're just floating in salt water. And I think, I mean, that's kind of, did you feel like the market was ready for it? Like, did people know what it was? Or have you done had to do a lot of education? We've been open for just over a year, and we're still doing a lot of education. Two other float therapy centers, uh, not related to us, but they have the same physical pod, um, have opened since us. And, you know, that's our job. It's to educate the people. And Kieran and I didn't really, <laughs> like, we asked people, and we were telling people about it. And, I mean... In hindsight, it probably wasn't the best thing that we did, but it was a really great learning. But we didn't really research too much into whether or not all of Hong Kong was ready. But we knew that people would want to come and do it, you know. And we're discovering now after our first year, like the different kinds of people that are coming. And they're really benefiting from floating regularly. And as much as in the past they've been known, they, they are called sensory deprivation tanks. We have float pods. So we have pods and I think it's more of a sensory enhancing experience. You just become so much more aware when you're in the pod of your physical body and your mental mind as well. So I want to shift gears a little bit because you had a baby not too long ago. (laughs) Yeah, I have um, an almost six month old baby girl. And I'm like so curious, like how, because that that's within your first year of running this new business. So yeah, what so, is like, yeah? Can you share with us, like I don't know, like what was that like? Did you plan for it? Did it go like you thought it would go? Like what have you learned through this experience? In 2015, we had decided we wanted to start a family, and then while we were opening Photon, and then when Photon actually opened, we thought, you know what? There's a lot of work to do here, and maybe we should just hold off on um, having a family until next year. And we were both okay with that. And three weeks after we'd opened Float On, I realized I was pregnant. (laughs) What timing, man. Yeah, so I birthed two babies in one year. (laughs) And it definitely had its challenges. And I mean, it still does. I think um, it, it seems like I do a lot and I can't do everything all at once really well. And so I've had to go and, and hire people. And I'm very fortunate to have a, an awesome team that I can rely on. 
So how do you, I don't even want to use the word balance because it's so, I don't, I don't know. A buzzword? Yeah. How have you found like a new balance, a new rhythm, let's say, so that you feel, or, or have you found that so that you feel like you can still be present at work and at home? Or is that, I guess it's probably always still shifting. It definitely, because my schedule shifts a lot, depending on where I'm teaching and who I'm teaching. And that's one of the beauties of my yoga teaching identity is I get to choose when I want to teach and who I want to teach. So I'm really conscious of who I take on as a client. And I love my Google calendar. (laughs) It allows me to plan my days, my nights. And number one is that I have time with my daughter, you know, and that I have time with Kieran. And anything on top of that is a bonus. So floating and going to yoga once a week is bonus. Like going, physically going to a class, not have my own practice, but to go to a class where I don't have to think about anything. Those are important to me. Did you like prepare before your daughter was born for, I don't know, like try to get stuff in order so that you didn't have to work for a while or... or do you have any advice around that for anybody else? Because I know a lot of, I mean, a lot of the audience listening are women and a lot are, you know, have little children or are planning families. And it's something that it's really a top of mind issue. I think when you decide to shift from being an entrepreneur to a mommypreneur, it's not that different in that it's really hard as much as you want to put um, stepping stones into place prior to giving birth and having, you know, a month off or two months off to recover and to be on that journey, you'll probably still find yourself at 3 a.m. breastfeeding and checking emails because that's when you're most protective. (laughs) And yeah, I think my husband, who's also my business partner, I mean, that's a whole separate issue. He was really great about not asking me to take on anything extra that I, well, after she was born. And I would just answer emails that were coming through and we live really close to float on. So I could pop down if I needed to, to meet anybody. And, and I said an out of office just to say, Hey, I'm a, if I'm a little slow to reply to you, this is why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have, do you have some kind of, and maybe this is something I realize like you have a little, a little daughter. So, you know, you might not be back in this phase, but I'm always curious um, when I talk to wellpreneurs, what their morning routine is, or if you have some sort of morning routine or something you do to help you stay present and, and like at yeah. your during the day. Yeah. Breathing the shortest of mindfulness practices, just even if I can have five minutes to breathe by myself. Right now, because um, when she gets up in the morning, I'm she comes into bed with us just for the morning, and we spend a, a good hour in bed together, the three of us, and we just have family time. And then, actually, my morning routine starts when I close the door to the bathroom and I'm by myself. <laughs> so I do my mindfulness practice when I'm in the bathroom. So I really enjoy my first shower of the day by re- being really um, grateful. I start with gratitude. I look at the water. I'm so thankful that I have hot water and nice smelly products to get clean for the day. And we also started writing little messages on our mirror, which faces our bed. So we write different kind of affirmations for ourselves on our mirror and we'll change it every week. And sometimes we'll leave messages for each other. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We just have these markers that, you know, you can um, wipe away. Actually, dry erase markers work really great on mirrors. So that's just what we have. And it's something we just started recently. 
Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think a lot of people can relate to that because you don't need some complicated morning routine. You can actually just do it wherever you are, just in the shower and really notice everything, the smells and the sensation and the gratitude. And that's yeah. so simple, but so effective. It's so good for me because as a yoga teacher or when I teach and living in Hong Kong, sometimes I shower like three, four five times a day and they're often just like quick, really, really quick. And so when I did a mindfulness course and I, you know, I was trying to, I didn't like doing the one where I had to brush my teeth consciously. I was like, I just brush my teeth, you know, but what's one thing that, that I do usually really quickly that could allow me to get really mindful was my morning shower, you know, to slow down. I'm showering a little bit longer, but I really, really enjoy it. You know, and I come out of the bathroom and I'm just, I'm ready for whatever's happening, you know, whether, um, she's crying or she's happy or something's going on, you know, I'm just, I'm ready for it. Yeah. And it, you're right. It doesn't have to be complicated. What's your take on social media? Do you use that personally or for your business? Yeah. I think in the way that the world is working now, as much as my businesses are about being offline, <laughs> like when you're on the water and when you're floating, I definitely use it to share with what I'm up to. And I marked my 10 year being in Hong Kong by launching a website. And really the website is elevating the things that I'm doing for people to know. And I often get emails and messages from people with, Hey D, can you make a recommendation or what's your take on this? And so I thought, you know what, I'll set up a website. I love writing anyway. And it's, I've just kind of, it's kind of reignited my love for writing and sharing. And yeah, I use it personally. I use it for um, float on. I use it for sup yoga, Hong Kong. Yeah, more so for sharing than for any kind of like marketing right now. I know a lot of us and me too. It's it's the constant struggle of I love social media and then I hate it. And like I love sharing things on it and seeing what my friends are up to. And then I feel like sometimes I get sucked into this vortex of Facebook and like you look up and it's 45 minutes later. You know, it's just interesting to hear how different entrepreneurs keep that in check. Yeah. If that's something, because some people just don't use it personally and they outsource the whole thing or other people set timers. That's what I tend to do. Yeah. And schedule posts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm just final. I've just hired somebody on to take on our marketing for Photon. It's one of those areas in my life that I'm, I'm happy to just pass off and give ownership to somebody else so I can focus on my website and elevating things I'm doing through that. And I think scheduling really helps. And then knowing in your calendar, like these are the times that I'm using, that I'm focusing on media marketing or creating posts that will send out for the month, you know, or even every two weeks. So you don't have to worry about that. And then kind of leisure time on Facebook. I don't find myself checking Facebook a lot. Like I, I would never, I don't think I'd see myself on there for 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, like, I just don't I have really real have the patience for it. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh no. I get so sucked in. So I actually, when I'm talking about setting a timer, it doesn't even mean like, like, yes, we schedule stuff. My VA handles all that. Like, it's awesome. She takes care of it. But if I just go on Facebook, like, oh, and you like, get sucked, I get sucked, sucked in. into this time oh. vortex. Yeah. So I literally set a timer on my phone if I'm going to go on and try to do some stuff on Facebook so that it like wakes me up <laughs> so oh, I can get so off. Funny. So I really, really have to be careful about it because it just, you know, yeah, there's yeah. so many groups and like the newsfeed and sure. but I guess, so this is really cool because that's not a problem for you. So no. And I think it's it because I schedule my time. Mm-hmm. I schedule my time on my calendar to say like, this is my time to be online and do this and this and this. So that that's pretty much the time that I'm on it. And then I might have a scan through, like, you know, I'll scroll and look at a couple of things and then 
that's it. I'll hop off. And then if there's anything relevant, the way that I work in, or the way that I participate in groups is, um, you know, when somebody asks a question and then people answer with like, oh, I'm not really sure, but maybe this, I tend to find that not helpful (laughs) and I won't share something unless it's going to add value to the answer. You know, so if somebody's already given the same answer that I would give, I just wouldn't add anything. So that's kind of how I scan through in groups, like when I check the groups that I'm involved in. So I'm wondering, you're kind of shifting gears again, but now you've been working in wellness for a few years and float on is just like a year old, you were saying, but what didn't you know when you started? Like, do you wish you could, if you could go back and give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself? Hire somebody sooner. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah, it's so, it's so important to know how, like, of course I want to do it all and I probably could, but I won't be able to do it well. You know, I can't do everything well. And so I think as entrepreneurs and wellnesspreneurs, because there's so much what we do is our passion and we're emotionally involved in it. It's hard for us to let go of the rain sometimes. And I think when it's come to hiring people, like I will write out exactly who I'm looking for. And they have literally just shown up at my door within, within two weeks, sometimes sooner. And they are exactly who I'm looking for. They've got the skills, they've got the passion and they resonate with what I'm doing. And I can just say, take this, run with it. And just to trust them with it. I think that's what's really important as a wellness preneur is to trust the team that you hire and to just let go of the reins of it. So why do you think it took you so long to hire somebody? I just, I didn't feel that I was at a, at a point where I needed to. I wasn't so busy with everything that I needed to hire somebody. Whereas now like coming back from having a baby and teaching more full-time again, I realized I really needed some support. Yeah. Because um, especially with Float On, be there full-time. And it is interesting, isn't it? Like once you make that leap, because sometimes you can feel like, well, I can still handle it all. It's not too much work. But once you make that leap and actually bring somebody else on, the amount that can get done is so much more. Because then you can focus on the stuff that you're really good at and your sweet spot and they can handle the stuff that they're good at. Yeah. And it's not like I'm not involved, right? Like we still have, you know, one-to-one meetings. We have quick catch-ups where everything is still really quick to be in contact if things need to be edited or changed or shifted. And for me, the focus really is time with my baby, time with my family. What's the point of being, you know, the point of being a wellness preneur and entrepreneur is that you know, you can have to create more time for yourself. You're working for yourself so you can have more time for yourself. So if you're working for yourself, you're not creating more time for yourself. Something's not adding up. Yeah. You definitely have to take a step back once in a while and just be like, like, look at the big picture. Like, how is this and the big picture of your life too? Like, how is this fitting into my life? Is this enabling my life or is this becoming just like another job with the worst boss in the world? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because we can be the worst bosses in the world to ourselves because we can just like insist that we work all the time, which is like, like you said, what is the point? What's the point? Yeah, I think it's the cycle, right? It's almost like a catch 22. I want to work for myself, but then there's so much more to do when I work for myself and I'm so much more emotionally involved. I think the other really great thing when we talk about how or what I've done to give myself some more more time is that um, I started working with a business coach who is a mutual friend of ours. <laughs> and she's been really great for me in terms of getting focused. And that again, has been super useful for me. Mm-hmm. Just to have an outside perspective. On, outside perspective. Yeah. And, and then for, for 
somebody else to say, well, is that really important right now? Is this something that you could outsource to somebody else? That is really helpful because I know I get that also from my mastermind group where they'll be like, okay, that's an interesting idea, but is that a distraction? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes you just get so excited about something and you're excited about this new project or you're, you're, or you just have the endless to-do list. And it's really helpful to have an outside, like objective eye to be like, you know what? I don't think that's aligned with the goals you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So useful. So we're kind of getting to the end of our time together, but if you, there's a lot of yoga teachers out listening and a lot of people just getting going with their wellness businesses. And I wondered if, do you have any advice you would share? Just like some words of wisdom from somebody further along the path. I would say as much as you need to lead with passion and you're doing something that really drives you, it's also important to know how much you're willing to lose when it comes to finances. I think that's really important. You need to know how much you're willing to lose before you shift gears and look at something else. But ultimately, I think you need passion in what you're doing. And with that, everything will come. I feel like if you write your vision, you know, you have a clear vision of what you want to do, big picture, you know, 10 years out from now, what does your life look like? I think that's a really great starting point, you know, and go and create your business from there. And then you'll start, you'll start attracting and enrolling the people that, that are going to help you get there. You know, it's amazing how, when you are really clear about what you want, people just show up like the right contacts just appear. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the yoga part, I definitely had reservations when it came back to starting to teach again. Like just, I've been out of the loop for, you know, a couple months. Like I've been pregnant. Is this, are people going to want to learn from me still, you know, and it was all just in my head. And once I was really clear with, yeah, I still want to teach. I love teaching. I'm a great teacher. And like the inquiries just started rolling in. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happens that way, you know, be careful what you ask for. Cause yeah, totally it. <laughs> <be careful>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like you put out the vision and then you better be ready to step into it because totally. just be ready happen. for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. D, so tell us where we can find you if people want to get in touch or learn more or read your new website. Yes, you can find out everything about me and what we've talked about today on dchung.com. That's D-E-E-C-H-E-U-N-G.com. Awesome. And we'll link up everything and links to all your businesses in the show notes. So if anyone comes through Hong Kong, definitely go for a float at Float On or stand up paddleboarding. Yeah, hit me up. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, D. This has been great. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can find all the links in the show notes, which are at wellpreneuronline.com. So have a great end to your 2016, and I will see you next year.